hey, hey, welcome back to Wildly Queerious Season 2, Episode 1. Hello. Have we missed anything since last time we talked? No. No, nothing's happened? No. Well, it's funny you should say that, because this is going to be... Is it funny? No, it's not really funny. But, you know, that's one of those things that people say. Oh, okay. Okay. It's, it's, it's what's known as a uh, euphemism or expression. Uh, it's funny you say that. I mean, it's not like, <laughs> I can't believe you said that. It's, you know, it's just, it's funny. If you say so. I said so. Okay. And I am the doctor here, so I'm going to play that card. I'm not playing that card. It's a horrible card to play. But I am uh, Dr. Corinne Bota. And you are? Just Brittany. Just Brittany. So as it turns out, this is, uh, we're so excited to be back. We're sorry we left you all hanging the last time. Um, thank you so much to our listeners who continue to listen to us, apparently on repeat because we haven't produced anything new in a bit, but we're going to try to make this a seasonal thing. So um, probably 12 to 20 episodes per season. Um, You're really like committing hard to the numbers here. Well, I mean, what else are we going to do with our lives? There's a, there's a lot of news. There's a lot of changes coming up. There are a lot of things that have that have happened. And are we shifting to being a news and political podcast? No. Who said we were doing that? Well, you just said there's a lot of news. There's a lot of thing. A lot of well, news for us. News about us. Oh, I thought you meant like in the news. So, as you may or may not know, uh, we moved to Colorado a couple of years ago. And since the last time we spoke, we have bought a new place. And a new puppy. And a new puppy. Um, well, we bought a new place back in uh, Orange County, California. And we can't wait to get back there. But a lot of the things uh, that I do in Colorado aren't going to exist in California. So hence the re-emphasis on the podcast. Why don't you tell people about our new puppy? Um... I mean, his name is Baymax, and he's pretty cute, and I'm his favorite. Baymax. Where have I heard that name before? From Big Hero 6. Oh, the big, white, inflatable, adorable Baymax. Yes. The Disney movie. The Disney movie. And you can meet him at Disneyland. You can meet our dog at Disneyland? No, you can meet Baymax. The real Baymax. Oh, I'm looking forward to that. That's one of my favorite movies. I know. That was one, one thing that you said you wanted to do last time we were there, and you didn't do it. It was a long line. I don't even think you went over to where the line was. I knew it was going to be a long line. Probably, yeah. For me, anything more than like five people in line is a long line. Well, Disneyland may not be the place for you then. <laughs> <laughs> I figured that out a long time ago when I worked there. Uh, now, don't get me wrong. I love Disneyland. I love going, but... Um, gotten so crowded so uh year in recap i figured that's kind of a good way to get things started off because a lot's happened since the last time uh, we were on here um and we have a list of, of things that are kind of highlights if you will well we found it on the internet well, i didn't say we wrote the list i said we had a list i know but i don't want people, people to, think, to think that we decided what this list was we did not decide what the list was but there were some Things I knew on the list and other things I didn't know on the list. So, but so, you probably knew everything on the list. Um, um, no, you watch the news like every single day. 
I do. But it doesn't mean I know everything that's on a list. Yeah, but... Uh, and I edited the list a little bit. I only put on some stuff that I thought was kind of relevant. Um, so we're going to go through that and, and just kind of talk about what's happened since the last time we talked. Thoughts, opinions on each of these. We're not telling you what to think, but these are things that could be thought about. I could tell you that. So just to think. Yeah. We are telling you to think. If that's if that's the one takeaway from this program, it is to stop and think about things. So hey, which uh which item on this list did you know a little bit about? Um I don't we I feel like we should just go through the list. Like that's going to be easier than trying to like cherry pick. Okay. So this is a list. This is some top stories from 2023 in the LGBTQ community. But some are not. Some are not? One is not. One that I'm assuming you added. I don't know. Let's just go through the list. I just copied and pasted what you sent me from the internet. Okay. Well, you said you added stuff. No, I arranged I arranged it and I excluded some stuff. Oh, okay. Then never mind. All right. Number one. Lesbian mom loses parental rights and wife to child sperm donor. Oh, I feel like this one needs context. Well, give us some context. Oh, I don't... I read this, like, a couple days ago at 8 in the morning when I was still sleepy. So, while you're looking up some of that context... See, lesbian loses parental rights to child sperm donor. I can kind of see what that what that means. And that would be horrible. <laughs> um, but I didn't read the second part. And oh, they're, they're dating. The child's biological mother and the sperm donor are dating. Oh, so they're no longer in a relationship. But still, the parental rights went back to the sperm donor i guess i mean if they're in a relationship it kind of makes sense that not taking away the rights of the of the mom if that was a set up at birth you know this is the other parent i don't know there's some backstory or context that definitely needs to happen with that story into what was the arrangements of uh who was carrying what were the parental rights going to be decided before the child was born well it looks like that even though she was on the birth certificate, she didn't adopt him before they split up. See, that, that seems so strange to me because if they're on the birth certificate, that strikes me that should she should retain parental rights. I don't, I don't know if it's state-specific. What state did that happen in? Oklahoma. Oh. Well, that goes back to something we've definitely learned throughout this past year is what state you're in matters a lot. Um, I don't know. I guess it was decided by a judge, though, like a district, a county district judge. That's an Oklahoma so. thing. It's for sure. Well, that'll be interesting to see if that makes its way up through the courts and gets appealed. But even then, it's a conservative court system all the way up to the top from there. So, Well, and it's also... I don't know. I feel like anytime you have custody stuff, it's always like family court is just very messy. It is. It is messy. But again, it goes back to if someone's on a birth certificate and it was decided originally that these people would be the parents, regardless of how the baby came into existence. That's I just got shocked by my microphone. 
It's almost like we have dogs running around on the carpet or something like that. <laughs> Increasing static electricity. We do. They're playing. I wonder how much you can hear that in the background. Well, if you can hear that in the background, you're welcome. It's just a... What is what is it, MMA fight in the background? I don't know. <laughs> WWE? Is oh, that wrestling? It, well, I mean, it's, it's definitely a fight to the death. No, it's not. No, but, but they use teeth. And I just kind of Yeah, but picture. one of them has less sharp teeth now than he used to. That's true. Puppy teeth? Absolute worst. He just has one that's hanging on for now. Wow, he's getting aggressive. He definitely has little man syndrome. No, he does. They're just playing. Okay. Let's see. Going down. Next one on the list. George Santos expelled from Congress. You, this list says from the House. Well. Whose house? <laughs> I, I, I would assume it's the House of is Congress. Is he having marital troubles as well? Oh, Is, is he a, married? Is it like a ballroom house? No, he's not married. No. And even if he was, house. is he really? Who knows? Um, I don't know. George Santos, you fabulous queen. Um you're an idiot. You're an idiot. And you brought dishonor on con. <laughs> that's kind of that's saying something if you brought dishonor on Congress. Why huh? was he expelled from the House? Um, the ones I feel like you altered this list so that the things that I know about are things that you did not include. But we'll see. I'm trying to find the George Santos one on this. So George Santos. Um, I oh God, I wish I had his. Um, Drag queen name. Oh, I wish I had his drag queen name handy, but I don't. So he lied about pretty much everything in his past to get elected to office. All just a scheme, just a just a walking con man. And uh, but Republicans were so short on votes, and he was a Republican. They kind of, they kind of protected him and stood stood by him, stood by him, stood by him, and they they kept voting not to expel him. This was like the third vote they had to uh, expel him from Congress. How many times do you need to vote about the same thing, though? Apparently a few times. Uh, the vote was 311 to 114. Well, they kept saying uh, in the previous ones, they were like, well, he's never been convicted of a crime and he hasn't been through the House Ethics Committee, so we shouldn't get rid of him. Even though he's been indicted... For multiple crimes, and that's just to be fair. That's a that's a fair point. You shouldn't kick someone out from Congress unless they've been convicted of a crime or something like what that. What crime has he been convicted of? Oh God, like he's wire, not in jail. Wire fraud, money. He hasn't been convicted of anything yet. So then he's technically still innocent <clears throat> until proven guilty. Um, but that's one of those where it's so obvious he's he's lying. Like it's so obvious to everyone he's lying. And, and not small crimes. We're talking like money laundering, wire fraud, like the stuff that sent Al Capone away for sure. Um, well, it makes sense that if you were in a like a government position, like a public office that you should be held to. I mean, like to put him on suspension so he can't. Right. So like so that's I feel like if you had like a coworker, not a coworker, but if you had an like an employee and they were like engaged in questionable behavior that related to their job performance, then you would like su probably suspend them with pay. Cause you know, we pay people. But. Right. So that's where he went to the house, house ethics committee and they finally, the health, house, blah, that's a, not a simple thing to say for me. Apparently the house ethics committee 
said, no, this person is definitely um, done, done wrong. And so they use that as the final justification that he should be gone. But here's the here's what I find fascinating about that. You said the vote was 300 something to 100 something. A mm-hmm. hundred people, all Republicans, I'm guessing, but I know it's all Republicans, said, even though we know you lied to be here, you lied to all the constituents to get this office, you've committed these crimes. We know, we know, we've seen the evidence of these crimes that you committed these these horrible acts. Even though... You are that depraved. We still want you in Congress. That's just us. But does someone replace it? Like, what is uh, is Florida voting or something? So he's a New York uh, congressman. He's not Florida? No, New York. Who's Florida? Uh, I don't know. 13 other Congress people. Who's the mayor of Florida? Do you mean the governor of Florida? Maybe. Ron DeSantis? And who are we talking about? George Santos. Oh, they're... I okay. see how you got there. Okay. And that goes to a whole nother theory I have about Ronda Fascist and why he's so um, anti-LGBT. Well, don't, we don't need to call names. I just want to clarify that I, I believe know, but he don't is call a fascist. Names. Okay. You could say that, but don't be like name calling. Okay. Um, I can see how you got there. Because... George Santos is deaf. I feel like could be Ron DeSantis's alter ego for sure. Um, anyway, so he gone. Uh, let's see. Seven point Gallup, who is a that's a notable research service. Gallup. I feel like that's one's been around for a very long time. They do polls. They, they do make polls. polls. They're a polling organization. Um, finds that 7.2% of people in the United States identify as LGBTQ. That's high. How much was it before? I don't know. That seems low. Like, even when I was, like, rough estimating, like, if I'm in a group of people, I like to say that maybe, like, on a good day, I'll exaggerate to maybe 5% of America is, is LGBTQ. Um but apparently it's much higher than that, which is fabulous, which is wonderful, um, because that number doesn't mean that there are more LGBTQ people than there were before. It means that more people feel safe to outwardly share that that's who they are. Well, but this is what I don't understand. Okay. These polls don't go to everybody. No, they're a representative sample. I know. So, like, I don't, I'm sure there's a whole... There, there is um, there is a science behind this. I know, but it's just how large is the sample size? I can't find. I can't, somebody changed the order of the list, so now I'm like trying to scroll to up and down to try to find which article was where. So if it's if it's a sample size, okay, hang hang on a of at least it. a thousand people. So background okay. while so you're looking, hang on, at, I found it. Okay, fine. It's only a slight increase. From 7.1% in 2021. Oh, wow. It's more than double what it was a decade ago. And it included 10,000 adults nationwide via telephone interviews, which I'm sorry, like the people who answer telephones and actually want to talk to people, there should be a poll about that. (laughs) Because how are there, how did you find 10,000 people who want to talk to you on the phone? 
probably calling from a number they didn't know. I don't I don't even know how this gets done. We have we have email and text messages. And they're still doing phone calls. Okay. Sorry, that was a No, tell us how you really feel about the polling industry. No, it's not the polling industry, it's random people calling me. Oh, okay. That's how I feel about that. Well, I think um 10,000 is a massive sample size when it comes to polling. And what you got, what you'll find in polling is based on the size of the sample rate. That's how they'll actually say, um, basically the degree of liability. So like plus or minus 3%, plus or minus 2% and so on. Uh, and there's actually kind of a set number. I don't know them off the top of my head, but basically a sample size of a thousand would be accurate to plus or minus 4%. Uh, 2000 would be like plus or minus 2%. By the time you get 10,000, you're, you're pretty much, you're pretty much spot on right there. That's a, that's a really accurate sample size. Um, it'd be interesting to see the identifications that people identify as in that. I'm sure that's probably available. Like in the, in the LGBTQ, like how many people identify as LGBTQ? Yeah. So it says more than half or 4.2% of all us adults identify as bisexual one in five LGBT adults identify as gay. One in seven say they are lesbian. And slightly fewer than one in ten identify as trans. And roughly one to two percent. Oh, sorry. That was the wrong statistic. Um, but there's a very small percentage in there that's like pansexual, asexual. Okay. Well, that's a lot of people. So for all those conservatives freaking out about how many uh, queer people there are in America, let's just do the quick math. 7% of 300 million would be roughly 21 million people. Well, but it's it's different based on age. Gen Z is almost 20%. Millennials are 11%. That's incredible. And then the old folks are... 3.3 3.3 or less percent. 20, Old folks being everyone who's older than a millennial. 20% of Gen Z identifies somewhere in the rainbow. So 19.7%. Wow. Those born between 1997 and 2004. So these are people who are age 18, 19 to 25, 26. Wow. So I wonder if it's even more so for people younger. They just can't, they can't pull people that are younger with those kind of questions. That's fascinating. I guess that also kind of explains the increase in resistance for getting um, in so many state legislatures across America, people fear where, um, I mean, we're losing cis heteronormativity, maybe. I don't know. There's a bisexual seems to be the most highly identified identity. That's interesting. So of the 19% for Gen Z, 13.1 identify as bisexual. Of the 11% for millennials, 6.9. Even Gen X, 3.3% total, 1.6 is bisexual. Wow. And then there's a steep, not steep, but there's a more of an even mix with the boomers where they're at 2.7% and their breakdown is 7% lesbian, 1% or sorry, 0.7% lesbian, 1% gay and 0.7 bisexual. That's a lot. 
That's something. So, all right. More on that topic or on to the next? We can move on. All right. Which part? Where do you want to go next? Just what's next in the list? Um, a renaissance of gay literature marks a turning point for publishing. Where is that? Well, on this list, on this piece of paper, it's the third one down. Oh, okay. Oh, you skipped that. Yeah, I thought I'd come back to it. Okay. So this is a fascinating story. Um, and there's another one on here, too, that we'll talk about. Book challenges reach historic heights. Um, American Library Association reports. Uh, this conversation around literature and books... I think will go down as one of the most important stories of 2023. Um, not because all the laws that are passed or all the, all the new things, all the, all the new attacks on, on the civil and human rights of LGBTQ people, but this is the reintroduction of book bans. And when you say book ban, if you don't have a visceral reaction to that, then I think you need to maybe question your ethos. You need to question what it is you believe. Because if we are banning literature, um, I think that, I think that's just kind of going to set up the path of our of our society for the next you, 20, 30, or 40 years. You got this from the article? No, this is just something that's been kind of common knowledge amongst. Oh. <laughs> You're like, where is that in the article? Yeah, so I haven't been paying attention to anything you said because I've been trying to find it so I can provide more information. And apparently there's no information to provide. You've known that school boards have been banning books pretty heavily this past year. Yes. You know, they've been criminalizing, um, you know, providing books in libraries. You know that some librarians have been fired for um, like school librarians yeah, or school just regular libra librarians? school librarians and like county because libraries are generally like government quasi governmental funded organizations. Um, so if you have the right people in town, city, county leadership, and school boards, they can dictate what is and what isn't allowed to be on their shelves. So can we also combine this with the one that was on the list? Yeah, that's what I'm doing. Combining the one on the list. This is book challenges reach historic highs. Okay. Well, to give it context, last year there were 1,269 challenges to remove. Oh, wait a second. This is confusing. I don't know. Last year there were... 1,269 challenges to remove 2,500 titles. And they're saying that this year it's going to surpass that. Yeah. And I mean, it's is. the end of the year now. And obviously this article was not written in November or December yeah. 2023, but it, def it definitely is. We're seeing this rise and the standard by which <clears throat> books are being removed is if it wasn't terrifying, I would say laughable. Um, most of the states and, and county local governments who have said that we're going to allow books to be banned have set the criteria of any parent who requests a book to be banned is a valid request and the book will be banned. Okay, so this 
says from January to August, there were 695 attempts to censor various books or library materials across the country. Last year, in the same time period, there was 681. So it doesn't seem like a huge... This problem has been happening. Well, this is where you went into a problem of there's only so many queer books. Um, and it's not just queer books that are being banned. It, it, it's, it's books that... It's Toni Morrison stuff from the 70s that's being banned. Um, because people find it offensive. And this is where it goes back to, do you believe in freedom or not? Do you believe in liberty or not? Because it's these people who argue that under the banner of liberty, uh, you know, kids should be free from this indoctrination, so-called indoctrination. The irony, of course, in this is you taking away a person's ability to read a book is, <laughs> it's fascism. I'm sorry. It's, it's literally fascism. Um, you deciding what another child's book can or another child that isn't yours can or can't read. Um, you're seeking to take away that parent's rights to decide what's best for their children. Um, this, this, this stems into, into medical care as well. If you think about it, these people who are passing like bans on medical care and so on, they are saying that the state knows best what medical care should be provided for a kid. Legislators, Versus an, uh, the parent of a child. That's And that's just, there's no freedom in that. There's nothing, there's no liberty in that. But this book, Ban Rise, does terrify me. Well, uh, and this says over half of the books challenged in 2022 have LGBTQ themes. Yeah, that's definitely a primary target. Um, and yet... When liberal parents um, say, okay, fine, uh, if you're going to ban that book, I want to ban the Bible because it contains sexuality, violence, murder, and indoctrination teachings, they're just laughed at. And it's like, it's, it's a complete double standard. Now, I happen to enjoy the Bible. I, I think it's a good read. I think there are lessons in there that we can, we can all learn from. Um, but ultimately, it comes back down to if we take away a person's access to information, then we are taking away their ability to think. Now, the funny part about this, one of the organizations that was kind of chief behind these book bans were, was Moms for Liberty. And they made the news recently because uh, mom, the founder of Mom, Moms for Liberty and her husband, uh, to no surprise, were appointed to a school board by Ron DeSantis. In Florida. I was going to say in New York, not Florida, but apparently I just can't Santis? say Santos. Santos. Come on. It's a vow. Anyways, so they um, they made the news recently because apparently the um, the husband really wanted to have a threesome with him and his wife, with, with his wife and this other, this other woman. And... The other woman, who is, you know, the founder for Moms Liberty, decided uh, last minute, no, I'm not that 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 into it. And so then the husband just uh, allegedly um, had sex with this other woman against her will because she only wanted to participate because the other woman was going to be involved. How do you know so much about this? It was in the news a lot. This is on the news? Yeah. Isn't that funny? And the reason why it's not on the news is this seems like a very personal thing to be broadcast in the news. But the reason why it's on the news is because of the hypocrisy. You're telling us that 
you know, we only want books in our schools that promote moral behavior by your definition of morality, but you don't even recognize your own definition of morality. So it's a hypocrisy thing. Hypocrisy thing. Um, so then it gets reported. So book bans, bad. Queer books, good. And that's what one of the other stories here is talking about the um, renaissance of gay literature. More and more, we're seeing this. Uh, Didn't we just talk about this? Well, I'm so confused by your list now. Okay. I will stop jumping after this one. Um, so at the same time, while books are being banned, more and more books are being written by queer authors. And this is fantastic. Um, more and more of them are being published online. More and more of them are available via ebooks and methods that states can't regulate, at least not yet. Um, so that's been a really kind of positive spin on this is as people have been cracking down on literature, more authors have been out there sharing their stories or other helpful information um, to the community online so people can get access to those. So that's fantastic news. You can take the next one because the next one I, I, I just want to roll my eyes at. Well, my paper's on the floor now. Well, you could grab I'll grab it. I have dogs. This just in. Oh my gosh. Uh, Bud Light partnership with trans influencer Dylan Mulvaney prompts right wing backlash. Oh, Kid Rock. Kid Rock in your shooting up the case of Bud Light that you bought. Talk about wasting money. Spend money to buy a, can, a pack of case of Bud Light to shoot it with ammunition that you bought. What does Kid Rock have to do with anything? So, as you may or may not know, the start of this... Um, why don't you give us the background of the story of uh, Dylan Mulvaney and how she became a spokesperson for Bud Light, and then I will... I think it was just that Bud Light was... I don't know. Like, how the, How do they... How did, like, Britney Spears become someone for Pepsi? The same way. Yeah. So, Budweiser, um, generally speaking, isn't stupid. Uh, I think they underestimated the vitriol against the queer community in America right now. As we've talked about before on this show, um, queer marketing or marketing to queer people, LGBTQ people, is a gold mine. Um, generally speaking, LGBTQ families are dual income, um, higher income. There's also the opposite extreme of that, and I, and I acknowledge that, and I, and I recognize that. But when it comes to marketing, we're big spenders. <laughs> we're big spenders when it comes to things and and... Bud Light wanted to tap into that. They wanted to say, hey, we're a queer-friendly brand. Please drink our product. Lots of jokes could be made about why the queer community would like Bud Light, otherwise known as disgusting water. I digress on that. Uh, so they came out with this uh, inclusion, and they and, and Dylan Mulvaney, uh, apparently, I, I've never, I hadn't heard or heard of her before, um, not on the TikTok or anything like that. Um, I'm not a big fan of people that use their status as a trans person or a queer person to build celebrity either. I don't think that's, I don't know. That, 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 that feels weird to me. You are who you are. You don't need to like 
monetize that. Um, but there was a big backlash of people who drink Bud Light, and it kind of started with Kid Rock as the the first person to really come out and say, Bud Light, what the fuck? And he did so in a video he posted online where he took a case of Bud Light and used his automatic um, AR and shot it up to say, that's what I think of Bud Light. Now, he advocated for a boycott against Bud Light. And the irony of this, of course, is the bars he owned never actually pulled Bud Light. And he since come... And he since come around and said, well, we'll just keep carrying Bud Light. Uh, but he wanted to show how angry he was that, the, that they would possibly be supportive of a member of the queer community. Part of me wonders if it was a different member of the queer community, if there would be the vitriol there is against it. Um, well, here's the thing. So I Googled while you were talking. When did the, when did this was it July? Heart? Hang on, hang on. Uh, this was okay. April fifth. Okay, so this article that I just found is April twenty fifth, but it says that they have been in a decline, and that like Modelo is kind of beating them out. Yeah, and so they're. It seems like this is not the f- only thing that they have done to try to get more consumers. Yeah, no. So it's a business. I mean, it's a business thing. Yeah, it's a business business decision. But then Bud Light screwed up. I mean, sales were down like 30% year over year. Right. Which is a lot. Which is huge. Which is huge. Because of this outlash and this this, this, um, boycott that people, you know, cried out um, Bud Light. The reason why that boycott worked is because Bud Light came to the pressure. They said, okay, 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 we'll, we'll stop talking about this. We'll stop promoting this. And now everyone that was on the boycott was like, yeah, it works. Let's keep boycotting. Let's keep, let's keep that going. Um, had they responded, fuck you. We will support everyone who wants to drink our drinks. Uh, the boycott would have been useless, meaningless. And people would have realized that boycotting was stupid, so you might as well just grow up and drink the beer you want to drink because you like the beer. Again, if you like Bud Light, really? I mean, really? Anyways. Okay, so Pride Month boycotts. I mean, there's, there's always, I think, been a lot of, you know, consumerism and capitalism when it comes to Pride Month. Yeah. Um, but even I think this year was more specific where, you know, you've got a retailer like Target who's had Pride merch for a long time, a while. Um, but then like some of their Pride merch wasn't OK. And then they couldn't put Pride merch in certain sections of the store. And so it just the the argument and the back and forth about, you know, companies who are doing, you know, rainbow marketing. Yeah. And. I don't just like there's just a lot more nuance to, you know, obviously we can't necessarily stop a company from supporting or not supporting a certain thing. But I think people really tried to come at Target this year and get them to 
force their hand. So what I think is so fascinating about this topic is uh, it seems like people felt more empowered to go into their stores, shoot videos and bitch and moan about clothes or, or toys or whatever that might actually appeal to queer kids. That's what we saw is we saw, you know, these conservative people going into these stores saying, oh, look how horrible this is. And what they're really saying when they do that is these kids don't deserve to have clothes or toys. And ultimately, and maybe this is a little of a stretch, these kids don't deserve to exist. And that, I think, has really taken a lot of companies off guard, the vitriol and because we have separated ourselves so dramatically into these polar groups, that kind of behavior, if you don't ever act with that kind of behavior, okay, that kind of behavior, if you don't ever actually interact with members of the other group, is celebrated, is accepted. If all your friends are conservatives and, and, and hate LGBTQ people, you get to act like that and they get to go, fuck yeah, I love you, you're right. We've separated ourselves, not just in our minds or anything like that anymore, but we have literally divided ourselves as a country to where behavior like that exists and and can be celebrated and can be condoned at the very least. Um, and that's terrifying. But I think we kind of saw a manifestation of that this past week with Nikki Haley talking about the Civil War and slavery but not talking about slavery. She was scared to offend their primary voter by saying slavery is bad. Imagine that. There is a political party in our country right now where their nominee for president or the person running for nominee for president can't say slavery is bad and have a chance of winning. It's just, oh my God, I can't believe we've gotten there. Anyway, so that's... um. You took an interesting direction. I, 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 I don't an have interesting any turn there. No, I, I I understand that. But, but it's I mean, there's there's just a lot more pressure on companies to, I think, essentially pick a side. Disney they wanted Disney to pick a side and ended up starting a war with someone DeSantis. whose name ends with an S in Florida, <laughs> and then I think the Dodgers came under fire, and you know, I think there was there were issues with um, hockey where yeah. they wouldn't allow rainbow tape but they on their sticks right but um they'll allow other branded tape like i don't know what the, whatever the hockey version of like nike or adidas is um and like pride jerseys where like you can't have a pride jersey but they have different jerseys for other like it just there was just a whole lot of like nuanced discussion over the past year about what is okay to support how do you support and what do you you know, consumers or fans or whatever, how do they get to kind of weigh in on what's, you know, what's going on and how these things are kind of played out. And I, th I think it goes back to the real tragedy of it is, um, you know, up until really this past year or two, people felt like they had, they, they weren't allowed to say, I don't want LGBTQ stuff in sports or I don't want LGBTQ stuff in Target or whatever. But they kept their mouth shut because they knew it back then, at least they knew that's not allowed to really say that because society has deemed but that is inappropriate. It, is it that or is it just that the, the, you know, so like in terms of sports, if there's a pride night, cool, it's, it's a night, it's a game. Right. I don't have to engage with that. Right. But now it's not a night. 
you yeah. know, or a month or a specific section in the store. Now it's like more throughout the store. Now Maybe, either- this player wants to put tape on their stick the whole time. Now it's it's bleeding out of the confined zone that it's been in where it's been allowed to thrive. And maybe it's just, it's too, it's bleeding out too much for people who are uncomfortable with it. And this is where it goes into like the dynamics of oppression. And like, do I feel oppressed because I have to allow this thing and it exists outside this space? We'll talk more about that in in, uh, future episodes. But um, (laughs) it's war now. I'm I'm, I'm telling you, I'm not, I'm not saying go out there and buy guns and and do anything violent. I'm not, I don't condone, condone violence, but. If you haven't figured it out, it's a war's coming. Um, <laughs> well, we're we're head gonna, sand. We're gonna go to Disneyland's Pride Night next year. This year, yes, we are. And we're gonna wear bulletproof vests. Okay. No, uh, we're not. It's gonna be too hot for that. <laughs> That's fair. All right. Uh, let's see. Supreme Court rules for web designer who refused to work on same-sex weddings. Um, just in case you weren't aware, this one in the news. This is the first time the Supreme Court has ever ruled on a hypothetical. Um, the case that was brought was someone who wasn't even approached. Which, how can you even do that if it's exactly not real? Is stupid. And anyway, so this person said, well. Don't, doesn't the Supreme Court, like, were they just oh, in the slow season? Zero shits anymore about anything. Uh, but how do they have, don't they have real, like, you actual. Think, actual things with real people? You think, once again, people, elections have consequences. So anyways, they say, well, it's not hypothetical. Technically, this person approached me to design a wedding website. Well, then the news actually found that guy um, who's not gay. And he said, what the fuck are you talking about? I never talked to anyone. So they lied to get a case in front of the Supreme Court to get this ruling. So that should tell you everything you need to know about the enemy. Now, ending on a bit of goodness. Well, I, wait, hang on a second. I feel like... That whole situation was not very clear. So I feel like we should just... I found myself too passionate to talk about it, so you talk about it. I'm just saying that um, on ideological lines, as a creative professional, you would have free speech under the Constitution's First Amendment to refuse to endorse any message that you disagree with. Um, And that could then allow uh, creative businesses to kind of pick and choose who their clientele are in a discriminatory manner um in up to 29 states so it just it it opens the door for more discrimination and you know more challenges between consumer and business owner yep and i feel like that was at least now it's much more better explained i agree so why don't we end with uh oh wait two more stories no, one more story. I thought it was the Pope one and then the blood one. No, we're not going to talk about the Pope. Okay. Why don't you talk about the blood one? Um, FDA policy is allowing more gay and bisexual men to donate blood. Which is, I mean, I think just from a leap in sexuality and sexual practices in general, that's a good thing. Um, you know, because... The reason that gay men or men who have sex with men can't donate blood is largely based on how they would engage in sexual activity because the way that they would engage in sexual activity because the various body parts that are involved are more prone to being able to receive or transmit 
any sort of like STI. Yeah. So the fact that, you know, the FDA is now saying, hey, we can we can allow some of these people who have not been allowed to give blood to give blood. I mean, it's a good thing. This one was a long time coming. Though it's it's um it permits donations for men in monogamous relationships with other men. So there's like that caveat. Yeah. You're in a monogamous relationship, which I mean would reduce the risk of any sort of STD. Yes. Um, or those who have not recently engaged in anal sex. Yeah. Which I would imagine and I'm I'm sure I could just find this out more for sure, but like you can't go donate blood a year after you've had a tattoo. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, you can't because there was a needle and, you know, tattoos are a way to transmit things that you don't want. Um, and so... Oh, that's a fair point. Same thing with probably intravenous drugs and that kind of thing, too. Yeah, although I'm I'm not... I don't know. I don't know if intravenous drugs is on the form, but there's definitely... There's caveats, yeah. you know, for for Health different things. Reasons. Yeah. Um, and you know, one of those is if you've had a tattoo within the last year, you can't donate blood. And if you have had a tattoo, they want to know like when the date was so they can like be sure. Um, but this is more than just, uh, uh, uh not, not trivial cause there's nothing trivial about it, but this is more than just a, uh, oh, we're happy to be changing the rules. This is writing a wrong that occurred. It's a, it's a step forward because yeah. writing the wrong would be. Treating gay people the exact same way as straight people. Right. Because you could have, you know, promiscuous straight people. You could have right. straight people who like anal, which, you know, is especially yeah. how these things are transmitted. Yeah. Um, you know, so I think it's it's definitely a step forward. And it's nice because it allows more people to donate blood or to, you know, help out. Definitely. Though I, I learned apparently that uh, things that are donated are still paid for <laughs> because we learned, I learned this on Sherlock. So now I'm wondering like, Oh, trust everything that you, no, um... no, no, no. But on Sherlock, it was, um, the mystery was that there was this dead body who was an organ donor, but wasn't really an organ donor, but turns out the hospital had to pay for the tissue yeah. that the organ donor donated. You know, because there's a middleman, of course. Right, so now, of course. of course, I'm sitting here wondering, going, hmm, how much is like a pint of blood worth that a hospital has to pay for because it has to go through all these different channels of you well, know if, if consumerism. You, if you think of, if you think about it, that does capitalism. Kind of that was the word because um, people are generally paid to donate blood. They're certainly paid to donate plasma. Not blood. You're not paid to donate blood well, unless maybe you have like a special type. But that's incentive to get more quantity of what's needed. I get paid in cookies. Anyways, no. no. Um, but yeah, people are generally people are incentivized in some way, if if not paid, but certainly for plasma and, and other things. These well, donations, plasma these, do, like these donation a... centers employ people. Yeah. They employ the nurses to do the things, and so basically, all that money is ultimately passed back which to was the person my, paying for the blood. Which was my, you know, <laughs> which ultimately caveats. is passed to the end user, who didn't but necessarily just, know that pint of blood was five hundred dollars. It but was whatever. just interesting to. To realize that a donation goes through all these different channels of which there's still people who are exchanging yeah. money. Like, it's not... A donation is free, but it's not actually... Stupid doctors want to get paid. I don't know. So... Anyways, that was a good way to end uh, end this episode, talking about the positive of gay men can now donate blood. Um, 
that was a long time coming. I think it is absolutely writing a wrong that existed uh, in the past, especially given the ability we have to screen blood these days. Uh, there's really no excuse not to allow that. And you're opening up uh, donations from a community that is excited to give. And I think that's just going to be a win for everyone all the way around. Should it happen sooner? Anyway, so this was uh, season one, season episode one of season two. We're back. Um, we're looking at uh, every other week. We're going to be dropping a new episode. Please keep listening to us. Please tell your friends. Please like us. Please give us a five-star rating. Uh, drop us a note. Tell us how much you hate us, love us, or otherwise. Me, Brittany doesn't like knowing how much people um, hate them. Um, true. Or like me. True. Oh, <laughs> also true. And we'll see you later. Bye. Bye.